Hello and welcome to this week's Stats One Podcast with me, James York, and... Ted Knudsen. How are you, Ted? Are you as fried as I am? I think we're still recovering. Yeah, we're <laughs> both a bit tired. Uh, not that we're not, you know, excited to be talking about transfers and whatever, but we've had a <laughs> really busy week. Yeah, it's been cool. We've been doing in London doing courses. Uh, did the introductory course on Monday, and I had quite a big, a big hand in that. And then Ted did the set-piece course on Tuesday. Uh, full rooms for both, which was good, and generally good feedback, so that's all good too. Yeah, it was really interesting. The The group in London, obviously very different from New York. Um, a lot more professional analysts, uh, maybe a bit of coaching, but also like plenty of, plenty of fans as well. Um, and lots of feedback and people were, were quite enthusiastic, but we had something like 70 to 75 people in the introductory course uh, on Monday where James was the star. <clears throat> <laughs> oh, yeah, what was it? Yeah, I, I, I think 8,000 steps just wandering around it in front of a room. So there you go. That's, that's teaching for you. <laughs> your, your parents are teachers, right? Uh, my dad was a teacher, until yeah. he retired early, and my granddad on the other side was a, a much loved teacher. So James has a lineage of teaching, mm. and uh, you know he chose. Um, so let's talk a little bit about, about these courses. We're gonna we'll get to transfers, but you know, I I feel like you know people often like the behind the scenes stuff that that we talk about. Um, you know, I could do like a week in your life, right? Like, what well, what was what is your your weekly analyst life look like what was like your favorite week that you had but we'll do that in a different day um today so like how much time did it take you to do the introductory course the first time which was back in bath in march what the research and like to yeah build how, it. how much time put it together yeah like i don't know six eight weeks took ages it took ages i mean and that was Is, that was just to get it to like a standard that i was like happy with and i've poked it and tweaked it and changed things like along the way too so yeah i'm pretty sure like it's a solid eight weeks that, that you spent then and then you did a bit of a a brush up going into New York a couple weekends ago, yeah, yeah. and then this one. And and people kind of don't really understand like the costs and the involvement behind this. So this is you know eight weeks of James' time that that we dedicated strictly to building all of the slides here, and then uh, then we have costs for every room. Uh, you know, obviously we've got travel costs as well. Like it's it's not cheap to build these things. It's kind of it's funny how you know how the actual expenses there, um, and then you know you could have potentially been doing all sorts of other things too. So there's opportunity costs uh, built into it as well. Um, yeah, but I mean they they show like they're good, and we wanted to do this because we felt it was necessary in a lot of ways. Uh, the football world is really waking up to this. Data and, and statistics are being used more and more often, but. You know, how do you get involved in it? How do you how do you get started if you're if you're more on the coaching side, or the media side, or whatever? Like, where do you get a grounding? And so we put to get put this together. And one reason why it's not a book is because we use tons of video examples, tons and tons of it, because we feel like that one coaches are used to watching video, so we we integrate the stats in the video, uh, almost like you would want to see on Sky to some extent um, to to illustrate all these these principles, but we also um, you know, it, I think it's it's the right way to do it for people that are comfortable seeing video all the time and making it easy to digest. That's that's kind of my my perspective on it. Um, 
I, but it means that a lot of the time in building these courses is spent finding valid video examples, right? Yeah, yeah, totally. I mean, I, I, I think you know you've got you've got to have video when you're kind of like presenting about sport because, um, you know, you just sit there and just talk through a load of numbers, and people are just going to be like, right, okay, I've switched off. This isn't <laughs> this isn't for me. And I mean, that's that's at times I've thought I've under you know under kind of like pitched the level of this and made it like too simplistic. Um, but like nobody is fed back like that way with regard to like the content. I think people are happy with the, like the level that it's at. Um, insofar as like you can just walk in there with like no real knowledge of like stats and football, and you'll get like quite a lot out of it. And you can walk in there with like some knowledge of um, like you know if you've been a stats bomb fan for a period of time or something, you think you're quite well versed on it. You'll still walk out of that room with some like new ideas and some new knowledge. So I think like by hook or by crook. We've kind of landed it on the you know on the right level, and then the set piece thing is a whole a whole different beast, really, isn't it? I mean, it's that's really quite technical and um, uh, like very very detailed, um, and it's 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 a real departure from what we do in almost every other place of the business. Yeah, it is. Um, it's hmm, it the set piece is one I'll I'll explain in a minute. I don't want to transition onto that, but like it is certainly very different from from what you saw offered on the first day and I, one of the things that was exciting about the first day too is we offered uh, we offered you know comp tickets for like the first 10 analysts or coaches from women's football that got in touch and, and I think all of those were taken up so like that was really exciting too we had a bunch of people from the FAWSL uh, come attend the course uh, and, and then you know get an, an intro on on stats with my which is great too um, and got to play around with with that there <clears throat> I think one of the other things that, that is really cool about the course is that we talk about some of our, our very strong research and ways that we think about superior styles in football. And, and it's it's like laid out for you. Uh, you know, it doesn't mean that we're necessarily right. And it doesn't mean that that's going to stay true forever. But certainly some of the information that we provide in these courses is based off of years worth of research about why this thing might be better than all the other choices that you can make in football. And, and I think some people find that very eye-opening um, and you know, counterintuitive to, or at least what they've learned. Uh, other people are like, oh, well, that just seems very natural. So, Yeah, I mean, it depends, it depends where you're coming in at, but I think you know, they've, they've been pretty successful so far. So, you know, that's, that's the, good. So the set pieces course, uh, you and Dewar built all of the... Um, basically, all, all of the the video behind it and a lot of the slides is based off of some, you know, a book chapter or two that I started to write about this stuff. And before that, it was, uh, you know, a, a fifty slide PowerPoint presentation back in the old days from when I was at Brentford and Mitchelland. Basically, best principles. When I built that, uh, before I sent it to, to, to Nikos when he first got hired at Brentford, um, Nikos is, is coming on board as our, well, I mean, he's longtime lead technical scout with us, he, both here at Statsbaum and then also back in Brentford and Michelin. Um, but yeah, when I sent it to him, I was like, dude, I'm pretty sure that this is the most valuable thing that I've ever done. And, uh, and then the question then becomes like, why are you teaching this as a course now if you think that it's that valuable? And I think... My answer to that is like, this is very much a passion project for me. And we just decided, I decided that I was irritated with how slowly football was adapting to this and frustrated with it. And uh, 
And so the only way to like really change the game in this way, if, if they're not going to come to us and, and have these conversations, is to go and teach it and teach people that are interested. And so one of the cool parts about the London course is we had you know, 16 professionals in there, I think. Yeah, I'm uh, I'm quite hyped to like you know I mean I know you and I'll keep an eye on this <laughs> like look for you know as new season kicks in like you know in a variety of places like are any of these ideas how many of these ideas where are they going to pop up and crop up and you know you'll be like yes that's one of them we know that one <laughs> the course is just a relentless amount of good information too and it's it's some of it challenges the norms right now. Some of it is very detailed explanations for you know ways that we think you can get advantage in all the different phases of play. And some of it is no one is doing this and people should do this because it breaks the rules of the game and there's just a huge edge that no one's touching right now. I like that's just a lot. And the fact of the matter is, you know, if you can bring your team one extra goal uh, from something like this, there's a huge amount of value in it. But in fact, you can bring your team you know, a lot of extra goals via this, especially an average team. So like, uh, this is part of the course. If you, the average team scores between 0.3 and 0.35 set piece goals per game. If you can add 0.40 goals, like like we did at Michelin consistently. So basically you're scoring three goals every four games from set pieces alone. You are the equivalent. You take yourself from, you, just your set piece coaching takes it from being an average striker in in the league effectively so like 15 million in the premier league or something like that and you put yourself in like the the 75 to 100 million realm which is astounding and and that's one of the reasons why i think it's so weird that teams are just like not jumping at this but you know there's there's a lot of resistance and who are these nerds that are telling us that things could be done better and whatever um <clears throat> But no, it's, it's fun. And, and like I said, we had people from, I'm going to list off the different countries we had them from, uh, Japan, uh, professional Denmark, uh, Sweden, uh, Finland, a um, couple of Premier League teams. Uh, hmm, I'm forgetting a few. Do you remember who the other ones are? China. Ah, China, exactly. It, it, was, it was great. And, and this is just the start, you know. Um, but so alongside of that, you know, assuming that you actually listen to our podcast, which there are many of you professionals out there and we're talking specifically to you. Yeah, exactly. We know you're out there silently listening because uh, you keep telling us when we meet you in person. <laughs> you were, um, were just terrifying, but that's fine. <laughs> there, there are just times where you're like, oh yeah, I'm from this team. Uh, I listen to your podcast a lot uh, and you're just immediately like, oh shit, what have we said? About yeah, which, team? which team are you again? Oh, right, that one. Oh, right, yeah. Okay. But we're not personally critical. In fact, like we're, we're analytical. Uh, we, we talk about what we see. Um, but if you're a team that, that like, and you realize that you need to fill this skill set, um, you, know, you don't have to go through us. There's a guy named Stuart Reed out there that, that I'm going to, I'm going to champion a bit and I'll, I'll like also push it out on, on Twitter. But you know, he, he was inspired by us and, and has done a lot of self-teaching and did a great job with Millwall last year. So, you know, this is the type of guy that you should get in, get in touch with because uh, the expertise doesn't really exist. And, and learning it on your own as kind of a stumbling process, you can, but it might be better to bring somebody in externally for one or two seasons to help teach you or, you know, obviously to attend the course. Um, there's also Mads Budgerite and, and Brian Priska, both who, of whom are at, at Michelin. Um, and those guys are great, uh, uniquely. You know, it, it's not remotely out of the realm of possibility that they would go work for a PSG 
or a Barcelona or a Real Madrid because they are some of the best people in their field at this incredibly valuable thing. It's just like, you know, who are the best coaches at doing thing X, Y, Z, right? Okay, well, that doesn't have to just be a head coach. You can be a great coach at other stuff. Uh, you can be great at sort of like sports performance management, uh, you know, strength and conditioning, etc. But there are there are there tend to be a lot of sports science professionals. There are very few qualified people in the set pieces realm. That yeah, you know, I don't know. I, I think that this will change. I, I feel like we should we should stand for for the people that are good at it. But uh, yeah, so anyway, great course in London. Set of courses completely and utterly exhausting how did you feel after your day james yeah just like my legs i felt like they're gonna fall off because it was just i was just tired <laughs> it's cool though we went out for food in the evening it was we had a nice meal and stuff but yeah just 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 really exhausting like teaching for many many hours and uh yeah but why people don't understand that why why is that exhausting i don't know why is it exhausting it just is it's just it's just being switched on and like you know talk talking talking for i'm a i'm a professional podcaster talking is my prof no it isn't my profession at all but <laughs> certainly not we do this for like one hour a week <laughs> yeah exactly yeah you think you're actually talking and uh talking to an entire room of people like yeah my respect for like actually being you know teachers as a profession is like very high at the moment because you know having having done like a few days of it it's like yeah this is you know it's just if you know your material it makes it, it makes it easier but it's it's not a you know simple Simple you need task to have like relent relentless energy. You need mm -hmm. to not only know your material, but like you need to know like what's in the video, and not just in your slides. We like if you just read off your slides, you know that would be like a lot of the worst presentations that you've seen. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> if you read it off in an excited voice, it might be a little bit better. But you have to remember like all of the stories around these slides that you want to tell, and and holding that stuff in your brain for like you know four, five, six hours. Like there's a reason why why professional shows uh, on Broadway or the West End or whatever are not more than two hours long, right? Like that's just so much material that you need to know. And they don't necessarily have cues in front of them, but still it's it's easier to just memorize it as opposed to like telling the the stories that you want to tell uh, around it. So I was I was completely shattered at the end of it. And I love teaching this. And you have to bravely carry on when your jokes run flat. Like they all do. <laughs> Not just, I'm not just saying your jo my jokes also, you know. <laughs> We're going to put laugh tracks. Uh, this is quite fun. This else. is quite funny. And like three <laughs> people kind of, like, <laughs> oh, right, okay. Uh, yeah. See, I think I'm quite true. naturally funny, but obviously I'm not. But that's fine. Anyway, let's talk transfers, Ted. We've, we've <laughs> done this. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so yeah, uh, that, you know, we're just kind of coming down off of a very busy week. Yeah. Um, now that you guys have gotten, we've gotten that out of our system and you guys have suffered through it, apparently we're going to do the thing that you came here for. Well, yeah, well, you, you've put this list together. And I was like, I looked at it, I was like, what the hell? Are all the, where did you get this list from? These, these players, <laughs> we'll talk about them. <laughs> <laughs> James is like, shh. Just give me another 15 minutes. I need to research these Arsenal players that are <laughs> yeah. potential transfers that I've never heard of. I was like, yeah, that's where we're at right now. Who are these, who are these guys <laughs> we've got linked with? Well, let's, right, you just start top of your list. Anyway, you've got Tielemans. Um, you've just written Tielemans. And I, I like, looked around and was like, well, what, where is he going? Because obviously he came to Leicester, had a good little spell, like 10, 12 games at the uh, back end of last season. I think maybe Leicester would like to sign him, but it doesn't feel like, it feels like his maybe his agent and maybe here looking a little higher well i think i think the answer to your question is where is he going and not back to monaco 
Uh, no, that seems to be. From what I what I read, it was quite public. He doesn't want to go back there. Didn't enjoy his time. Uh, Yardim is still there, so uh, or has come back there. Like that was a weird cycle last <clears throat> last summer. Um, so yeah, the question is like, how do you feel about Tielemans or Tielemans, and and where where should he end up? Yeah, I mean, this is an interesting one because like he got really good reputation like coming out of this um, this like spell, and he's only youngish, twenty two. And then, you know, I kind of like looked I'd very quick look at his like numbers and stuff, and it's like, right, what's special here? And it's like I don't, I can't see anything like numbers-wise that makes me leap, leap off the page. His expected goals assisted was was quite decent, I thought. Um, his shots are like you know, shot locations. Not they're more on the kind of like Ruben Neves end of shot locations than uh, otherwise. So that's I, yeah, but he's a midfielder, so that's yeah, a little the, bit understandable. Sure, sure, but he takes quite you know quite a lot of these kind of like not great shots. I don't know. It's I, I feel like I don't feel like anyone would make a mistake on Tielemans because I still I do think he's a decent enough player. But I, I wonder if there's anything if, if there's anything like added extra there. And, and I'm just kind of like going against the kind of accepted narrative right now, which is that he should go you know, move up and land at, at United or Spurs or something like that. So I think he's, yeah, he's an, in, he's an interesting player in that regard because, I mean, you know, football, like, like because he spent a bit of time in the Premier League, that's, that's almost like he's, he's got a, a free pass to the, to an, another transfer. I mean, cause he's, you know, and had a good reputation out of the back of it. I think I, Monaco actually have been quite good at, at sourcing talent. Yeah, uh, yeah. For, for reasonable fees and then selling that on. Mm. Um, yeah, he was one of the wonder kids at, at Anderlecht. Uh, I think Dendonker was also there. I felt like Dendonker was not a transfer that I would have wanted to make, just like not enough production in any particular area. Uh, with Tielemans, I, I feel like he's good, but is he great? Like, unless his passing really makes up for the lack of defensive output, like, that's where you... You're like, hmm, I don't know. So like if you're if you're not paying too much, then it's fine. But like, you know, if you're if you're looking at kind of output base on, on Tielemans or or Gomez for a similar price, so say thirty million pounds or something like that, you're like pretty strongly leading toward towards Andre Gomez. Yeah, I, I, I think I've said I, this might become a recurrent theme. Tielemans feels like a banger signing. <laughs> Feels like he doesn't worry about like kind of like lack of defensive uh, uh, kind of stuff and just likes the fact that he kind of dings it around like kind of kind of like central midfield facing forward kind of. If the opponent (laughs) never has the ball, then you know why not? You'll be very successful that way. But he's definitely going to. He feels he's definitely going to land up in the Premier League this summer, and I I will be interesting to know where it is. I feel like we've got all these players linked with Man United, but. like yeah, there's there's only so many locations. It's not impossible he could actually like end up like back at Leicester, I suppose. Yeah, I, I any of thing is possible. Uh, it's a it's a saga, and that's kind of why I, I brought it up. We got a couple of sagas on the to talk about on the on the pod today. Okay, um, who's next? Well, I mean, there's the ongoing the eternal Ryan Sessegnon saga, where like it felt like he should have ended up at Spurs last year, but you know, again, didn't happen. Man, I got a lot of pushback last week, both, both like happy, entertained pushback and, and grumpy, bitchy ones about, well, Spurs are never going to spend $300 million. I'm like, look, I wasn't saying they were. Yeah, I think, that, yeah, people misinterpreted that, didn't they? You, I think your point was that, like, if they chose to, they could yeah, do Yeah, they've they got the it. finances. <laughs> they ain't going to. They ain't going to at all. But, like, you know, uh, they, unless, uh, unless you think that, like, they really need to generate cash, <laughs> uh, 
to to pay down the the overruns on the on the debt on the stadium or something like that. Like certainly they have the the financial firepower after not having spent for like 18 months and having amazing runs in the Champions League plus like another great season in the Premier League you're like you know there, there's a lot of money that they've generated that none of it has been spent and their wage bill is like tiny compared to everybody else too you know they're going to be hugely profitable again for for this calendar year just a just a hint on the ericsson thing because i you know i've got my nose to the ground on the <laughs> from the, my remote distance on these things feels like the narrative has moved a little bit on that there's like tears two, two things that i've just have just caught my eye uh number number one like, i was very like convinced that he was only going to go to madrid or barcelona if so and then like, I've, I've seen like small little kind of mentions here and there like one of them was like the, the four-year deal that spurs would, would like to offer him is still very much you know on the table so yeah. it's like him pushing that way and then pushing the other way was like so it's, i saw something reported like saying like there were three or four clubs that ericsson was interested in joining so <laughs> i saw a psg rumor get floated out there today right like don't know but <laughs> yeah yeah so it's, so it's interesting because it's it's just kind of like edging edging along and uh, again everything's kind of on the table table with him a bit back to session on quickly um i think there's more noise around that uh happening as well that feels like it might be one that kind of drags on a little while but yeah, usual tottenham story i think like fulham will want 40 45 million tottenham will want to pay 20 to 25 Maybe. I don't want to pay forty-five million for him. Uh, you know, at, at, at like the twenty to twenty-five range, I was pretty excited by it, and I know how young he is. But you know, we kind of have that tweener element too, where you know, he is he a wide forward? Is he a fullback? I mean, he's probably not a Pochettino fullback. So like now we're looking at wide forwards. Uh, I mean, you just don't want to pay that amount. Uh, now, obviously, homegrown is a factor in this, but yeah, I don't know. I'm. It's weird, I think, is, is how I look at it. And and Fulham were like, well, we'll just keep him and we'll use him to, to go back up again because he's definitely better than championship quality. And that makes sense. But uh, I don't know. I feel like he also needs to probably move on uh, uh, to keep you know improving his game because he has a chance to have like an amazingly high ceiling if he gets in with the right group and stuff. And I'm not sure that playing in the championship again is, is particularly useful because he's proven himself to be like, you know, a pretty high standard. So I, I guess I'm talking both sides of this and that like, where's the, the number at that makes full amount of sense. Yeah. And it kind of, it, it kind of kicks a little bit into like, there's, there's various rumors about Danny Rose, like what might happen with him? Does he want, he prompt, I think he wants a new contract, but he's 28. So do you want to give him a big new contract? Maybe he goes, yeah, both maybe the- session comes in. There's a lot of kind of things in play here. Both the Pocatino era Spurs um, fullbacks are 28 now, right? Mm. And, you know, what do you do with those? Yeah, and that's, I mean, I think there's less noise over on the other right side, but like, but still people seem to think the fan base, half the fan base wants Trippier to go and the rest of, I, the rest of them. I think you should give both of those guys five-year contracts at, at nice fat <laughs> wages and play them for a very long time. <laughs> The old tradition. Right, we've talked lots of Tottenham. Let's get let's let's get to Arsenal because uh, we always talk Tottenham a bit because I always make it happen. Um, Arsenal, you've got a list. You've got a list of three players here that um, you've 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 seen links with Arsenal. Uh, Munier out of um, PSG. I think that would be. A, surely they'd want. Well, I mean, there's the thing. Maybe PSG need to sell some players just to. Well, Mo- Mounier has been very public, so we we're careful about talking about PSG players because they're one of our customers, as you know. Um, 
but like Moody has been very public about wanting to move. Is and, right? Okay. And so like it feels like that's definitely going to happen. It's kind of interesting because like I talked to PSG I think before they became our customers. Um, and when he first moved, and and Mounier was a guy back at Brentford. I was like, oh, he's like a really interesting fullback. I thought he might be good enough to go to someplace like Roma or whatever. And then he lands at PSG. I was like, I wasn't sure that he'd be good enough to land yeah, yeah. there. And, uh, and I think Roma weren't, or sorry, PSG weren't entirely sure that he was good enough to land there. But the price was right, and uh, you know, he speaks French, and it just just kind of seemed to to fit. So and he's been a good servant. Um, so he's rumored with Arsenal, and I talked a bit on the Arsenal Vision podcast uh, last week about some of these, but we'll cover them here because I don't know how many of you could tolerate listening to an Arsenal podcast versus the more diverse Stats Bomb podcast we have here. Um, <laughs> so the the thing with Arsenal is they've got Bellerin coming back from a really nasty injury. Mm. <clears throat> You've got Licksteiner the blank. Uh, you've got Callum Chambers, who no one knows what position he is or how good he is, despite the fact that he's got to turn like 24 this season. <laughs> Which, yeah. you know, I, I'm not even sure if that's like loan management or just the confusion of, you know, being not quite good enough for Arsenal and hoping that he comes good. Um, so, like, the, the right back situation is is squiffy. What's, uh, what's Maitland Niles these days? He's, he's, he kind of, I don't know if he's Maitland nailed down Niles his position. Prefers, yeah, well, I mean, Maitland Niles has definitely played. Both sides of fullback. Right. Um, he's occasionally played as an attacking sort of wide forward slash wing back. Uh, but I think that his like traditional old school position was uh, a defensive midfielder. Right. And but the answer is I don't know. Uh, <laughs> but like with with Hector coming back eventually, but you don't want to rush him and you don't want to feel rushed. And I think the the fixtures just came out today, and Arsenal have some some tough fixtures early as always, and everybody has to get there. Unlike in years past, you've got to get your deals done um, before the season starts, yeah, right? Yeah. So, um, you know, with that situation, you don't really want to continue on with Licksteiner. Uh, so you need somebody, and and Munia, I think, actually was was pretty good uh, to very good at PSG for that period of time. Uh, provides you know a big body actually, uh, so potentially quite useful if if set pieces were something you care about. Um, you know, just talented and and you know. Probably not obscenely expensive, which is also definitely in the arsenal. Yeah, I mean, we keep hearing. Was it? I, I can't remember. I read a report, Bonio, doing a little bit of research for this, and it was, you know, like hard up Arsenal or something was the thing. It was like, well, how the hell are Arsenal hard up? It's just, it, but it baffles me that um, this kind of perception is persisting, and, you know, maybe they won't spend that much money this summer. But still, you know, it feels like, it feels like they, they could. You know, they could certainly put some money out there if they if they chose to. Oh, they definitely can, and yeah, I I think that I would be happy to sell Aubameyang for a large fee to China. Uh, but yeah, you know, plenty of people don't feel that way, and yeah, I'm I'm also in rebuild mode. And I've been in rebuild mode for like twelve months now. So uh, if Arsenal suddenly rebuild and and end up in the Champions League, then great. But if they never do, I don't know. I worry. Uh, I worry. So, moving on from that one, there's another one that, that I think is actually a pretty good rumor, and I, I like this one depending on the fee. William Saliba, uh, center back out of San Etienne. Yeah, I mean, one for the future, but like certainly an interesting one for the future, given that he's like 18 and playing, you know, half a season in league. Uh, that's quite impressive in itself and certainly raises the eyebrow, uh, makes you think, like, you know, is this is this a guy that can. Um, has got a future. I don't know much about him at all, um, but you know, just just the general package that you're looking at there is is 
quite um you know quite quite entrancing uh obviously Gunduzi was the the last year's like french kid that uh, you know french based kid that came came out of apparently nowhere and and has proved proven his worth certainly at this stage um but yeah i i, I don't see anything wrong with this having looks very sp- cursorily at him <laughs> what do you what do you think about do you think about the william Saliba? i like it i i think it's it's important he's a right-sided center back potentially a fullback um i would have liked it if arsenal had bought rpg from sanatien a year before um he went to monaco briefly and now i think he's going to mines um so rpg is a ronale pierre gabriel and he looks like an nfl wide receiver possibly like you know a safety uh really great frame but you know really really moves well again 18 year old uh sanatien whether they're developing themselves or, or just putting them in the first team, seem like they're developing some, they've got a habit of developing some serious talent right now. Um, so yeah, I like this type of signing. Um, whether I've scouted him enough to be like fully confident, I would say no, but I'm not the one that's making this decision at the end of it. So that's not my job right now. Yeah, no, he's, he's, an, he's an interesting one. And like these, these are the types that I think they've got to, you know, like all of the bigger teams should should be trying to trying to bring in at least as part of their squad and I've said it before like you know your 17th 18th 19th squad man might as well be a really talented uh, guy for the future who's the last one we've got links with right <laughs> right please please pronounce uh, this guy's name is it Dennis Prayet Prayet I don't know I just I just say Prate. <laughs> Uh so Dennis Prate, also another one of the the Belgians right uh, yeah, but now so, he's yep. at he's down he's at, at Sampdoria, yeah. So, so Arsenal dipping back into the the Sampdoria well. Torreira's mate to come in and be a Ramsey. Yeah, that was. I think that's the that's the idea here. Do not like. Don't like. Mm-mm. Nope. Don't like it. Not interested. Okay. Don't care what the fee is. Not interested. Okay. Now, that said. Our passing model from the olden days loves this kid. Uh, I loved him for a long time. So think thinks that he's a very good passer. Um, used to play further forward, some second striker type stuff. Uh, yeah, scored a decent chunk of goals back in the day. Uh, so like fourteen, fifteen, we've got him on seven goals and fifty eight shots. Uh, passing passing model loves him. Thinks that he's a decent dribbler through the center of the midfield. But like, man, I don't know. <laughs> uh, I'm trying to figure out like how we're Arsenal are fitting everybody into this this squad setup and and how you retool the midfield. I just feel like you want somebody higher ceiling and and Prate especially at at Sampdoria that ceiling isn't high enough to make me excited and it wasn't even really back in the day. Yeah, and he's 25 now. If he's 22 and you're looking at this kind of like profile, you you might be like okay, right I I I could envision envision like you know him him improving at 25 with like not I can't see anything like kind of particularly stand out um a bit like you know, different obviously but a bit like you know when I look at Telemans is kind of like just stat profile it's like right okay um but you you would like something a little bit more kind of um just definitive that made you think like yeah this is this is my guy um, I like Rodri last year. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, that so, sometimes these players just kind of like, you know, <laughs> speak to you in that way. Um, 
Yeah, he's another one with dodgy shot locations as well, but like we don't labour too much of a point it's, on that. As I said, it, it's almost just a midfielder thing, right? It isn't wide though. Is it wide? Like there, there's loads of them like kind of like in that like kind of like wide right kind of uh, outside the box wide right and it's like don't shoot from there unless you're football Salah one time. But football's still changing, James. Not everybody knows. Yeah. So it, it's an interesting one. I mean, this is it. When you know, I feel like when Arsenal make a signing, like you know, this summer, it will be like a heat check on like exactly what kind of signings they're going to make. So very true. But also, like we've been pretty accurate on on our takes on on most of these, including the the aborted loan of Dennis Suarez. <laughs> just, uh, yeah, like I mean, when when you get into this and you're like, oh, this looks like you know just a bit above average. Why am I supposed to be excited about this? Or or this guy is is just like a statistical blank. Why are we bothering? Yeah. You need a body. Get a body out of your academy. Play those guys. Yeah, no, that's a good point. And Arsenal have got some good you know young kids. I don't know if they've got midfielders per se, but it feels like they've got a few attackers like um, bouncing around that you know they could maybe integrate into their squad. We'll see. Yeah, I don't think they have this this type of midfielder. Uh, they've been they're they're in the the midst of a pretty good crop of attackers, but um, yeah, bringing the midfielders through has not been super successful since back in the day. All right, moving right along, we've got some sexy ones here. We have. <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> well, we people got? actually know who Leon Bailey is, and probably David Neres. To, right? to like, Chelsea assumes well, stay of ban. Is it, this assumes that their their ban is getting postponed for the appeal process, which I've been assured is a near certainty. So, um, yeah, so Leon Bailey, uh, Bayer Leverkusen, uh, I, we were chastised recently for not giving enough detailed background on some of these players, especially from around Europe. So Leon Bailey, a young Jamaican kid, I believe, yep. um, uh, went to Leverkusen, uh, used to be in, in Belgium before, uh, wide forward attacker, had a very, very hot first six months in the league, um, not last year, but the, not last season, but the season before, and then cooled off a bit, and then he was playing under pretty poor manager overall uh, at Leverkusen the first half of the season, and then he got the boss life. And it looked better, didn't it? That's the thing. He, yeah, he got, they're definitely improved. He kind of got back into back in the team. He's had like yeah, two two runs of, of, of like reasonably impressive looking form. He looked a real talent in uh, two seasons ago, and you thought like yeah, this guy this guy can um, uh, you know go far. And then he yeah, the start of eighty ninety he just drifted a bit. But um, yeah, I guess he's an interesting one in that regard. I mean, I, I was trying to like trying to envisage like how how would Chelsea like fit Bailey or Neres into their team because Bailey tends to play left side. So then, yeah, arguably you've got although he can play right as well. And I I, I think in my mind I thought he was more of a right side player. But he's played both, but seems to be on the left a bit nowadays. Um, Pulisic. Yeah, well, this this Pulisic is the same. Pulisic has played both sides. I was thinking like, oh, well, they've already got someone to, to play over there. They, they have very similar profiles too, actually. Yeah, uh, from from the last two seasons, like similar kind of output profiles. Uh, you know, creative wide forwards. I think I think Bailey's faster, but still both quite good young talents. Um, you know, useful for Chelsea to potentially stock up. Uh, they also had the injury to Calum Hudson Odoi, so they've got another wide forward spot that needs to be filled in. And some guy named Aiden Hazard went to yeah. I don't know tiny team. <laughs> well, that's the thing. So you see, you could see like you know in in a kind of normal normal world, i.e. like Chelsea haven't got a transfer ban, that they would look to pick up like a you know a, 
a, a decent talent for the future to kind of like fill in, like basically yeah, covering Hazard and uh, Hudson Odoi right now as someone who's flexible who can. They seem to like these um, uh, players that can kind of flip between either wing if required. You know, Williams, someone who can who's been quite flexible. Pedro kind of like prop, pops up all around the kind of front line at times and. Yeah, Pulisic's versatile and can play on both sides. Uh, we don't know who we don't know who's going to manage Chelsea next season. That might have an impact on on what's going on here. But yeah, I I can I can I can understand why these links are emerging, even even if they don't actually come to be for reasons, uh, you know, <laughs> uh, that may or may not be related to transfer bans or well, they're quite sensible. I I think that you know, we felt. Chelsea overall have had significant problems with wide forward scoring. Uh, as much as I like Willian, like Willian's kind of the guy that you want to fill in at the end of stuff. You don't want him to start consistently for the whole course of, course of your season at this point in his career. Uh, so another one that's on this list is David Neres, uh, Ajax player, Brazilian. He's been there for a few seasons right now um, and has been fantastic. Let's let's like let's not kid ourselves, but fantastic in the Dutch league. I can't help but think that like Ajax won't sell their entire team this summer for all the you know that there's probably suitors for for many of their players. Um, I'm not sure that they have a choice on this one though, and and the Chelsea link kind of makes more sense than it might otherwise because he's a Kia player, Kia right, Drabkin, okay, yeah, <laughs> and Kia has a, a long history of of deals in and out of Chelsea, uh, Oscar being one of those, but like there've been plenty of other ones. Uh, so this one kind of, if you're if you're putting together the behind the scenes uh, puzzle, might make more sense than it than it would on the surface. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I can see someone coming in. I mean, you've got uh, later on the list. You want to hit on this now? You've written the words Lampard to Chelsea, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, there doesn't seem to be any noise about anyone else. I mean, uh, we had this last summer. Like Antonio Conte, like seemed to be sitting there all summer just waiting for waiting for his departure to be confirmed and then like Chelsea scrambled late and got Sarri in and and now we seem to have this a similar situation here where Sarri to Juve saga which seems to be done in the Italian media but you know Chelsea have to let him out of his contract and finish the the behind the scenes negotiations there last year it went on for ages Conte eventually won a tribunal about uh, his his back pay or whatever it's a really weird situation I don't, I don't know like I don't really have the ability to comment directly on it because we don't have no, any no. insight. But the two things, the two things seem to be like you know just kind of set at the moment, as in like yes, sorry, we'll go to Juve, and then Lampard will potentially take over at Chelsea. And it, it, except for the occasional rumor that Pep's going to Juve, oh, well, <laughs> which yeah. I just like what I did read, totally I did, did put Benitez back to Chelsea. I, I did did hear as well, but that felt like his agent planting that to get some <laughs> well, leverage yeah, from Newcastle. Um, yeah, possibly. And I don't think he did he did fine when he was at Chelsea, but I don't think he was the most popular manager uh, that they ever had. But yeah, so, so it almost feels like, like this, this Lampard thing is just kind of like sitting there waiting 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 to happen and um, let's not talk about the rumor. Let's evaluate the possibility. Frank Lampard, Derby season, going to Chelsea, what do you think? It's, I mean, it's a bit Solskjaer, isn't it? If he hadn't, if he wasn't a Chelsea legend, then you wouldn't be in thinking this in a million years. So the Derby season, for those of you who don't pay any attention to the championship, um, you know, huge budget. Uh, they they've spent a lot of money on that team over the years. Uh, not necessarily that well. Uh, a couple of years ago, they had like five strikers or five wide forwards and strikers that all were on probably pretty big money. 
and they were playing like one at a time. <laughs> You're like, hmm, that might not have been the most efficient spend. And plenty of those guys were like not necessarily fast and were getting a bit older. And and I think Nikos and I looked at the, one of their mid-season games, like or early season games when uh, Gary Rowett was there. And I was like, man, you probably have like 80,000 pounds a week on the bench right now, which is an awful lot for a championship team because they're, you know, they're not starting them. So not necessarily using... Uh, historically using their players effectively this year they had some really good young loans <clears throat> um i think harvey barnes was there again before he went back to to lie no he was at, he was at west brom oh he was at west brom sorry yeah uh, but mason mount yeah mount and um wilson was it wilson from liverpool oh yeah harry wilson that's the other one sorry um harvey barnes harry wilson they all sound the same to me <laughs> <laughs> These, these um, are the, the names of young people, Ted, and now in our middle age, we can get a mic <laughs> confused at times. <laughs> but so they made the playoffs, and uh, they were the, were they the sixth best team? They were they very nearly did not make the playoffs. Yeah, they um, just edged it in, didn't they? But you know, pretty decent performances overall. Uh, fun to watch a lot of times. the The problem comes when you look at the stats, and this is kind of a constant thing for us. Like, yes, we see the results, but the championship in particular is a league with a lot of parity, a lot of similarly strong teams. And so being in that that next best pack, you know, like Norwich were definitely quite good. Uh, Sheffield United were quite good. Leeds, actually, we think were, were pretty good. Um, <clears throat> but then like that next best pack, especially like the, the Derby, Middlesbrough, uh, Bristol City, like, you know, there, there is a good bit of variance in it. You know, you get a couple of lucky runs or some good skill, like let's be honest um you know you it can bolt you up the the table in a way that it might not in other leagues so darby's numbers were bad <laughs> yeah they weren't even like mediocre they just weren't very good and they got you know you mean you're you're really reaching if you're going to be like uh frank lampard got the absolute maximum out of this squad thanks to his uh, managerial skill and that's no slight on Lampard at all Matt he could he t- could turn out to be an excellent manager over time but with the evidence of one season of uh, Frank Lampard managing in, in uh, English football um, then you would just say right okay the structure and all metrics of this team were not great and let me they got let me correct what I said though it's not that Derby's metrics were bad Derby's metrics were basically average. I think that's the thing that I'm trying to say. So compared to budget, compared to, to you know, potentially the player quality that they had, they were very average and not particularly impressive. Um, and that's the the bit that, you know, you're like, mm, this is in the championship. You know, he had some advantages there. Does it make sense to go to Chelsea right now? Now, two or three years in the future, uh, you know, continue the learning journey, continue to, to learn how to adjust your team and stuff like that, quite possibly. But right now, probably not. You know, I tell you what, we, we could even be being like <laughs> sidelined here. Do you remember a year ago when all the talk was like Arteta was going to come back to, to Arsenal? And then obviously he didn't. And maybe this just kind of like, you know, this romantic idea of like your former your former star player coming back and... It just kind of sits in people's minds, and they, they they're just happy with it, and they report it. May, maybe maybe Abramovich and Chelsea are sitting there thinking like, no, we're not going to get Frank Lampard. We're going to get a we're going to get a bigger name manager. That yeah, said, well, true. That they, said, and it, there's risk, right? Yeah. That said, Chelsea have employed over time nearly all of the available candidates uh, that you would expect for uh, their manage uh, the kind of Chelsea manager job, including sometimes more than once, uh, i.e. Mourinho. So I guess. Hmm. 
as a, on a blank page, I'd love to try something new with Chelsea. Like you know, rather rather than trying to kind of like go in there, go in there, and like you just like they you keep seeing reports about Lampard. If Lampard comes in, he will promote youth. And it's like you're right, okay. Well, Chelsea still need to like finish top three and compete in the Champions League, so that's a nice idea. But you know, if they suddenly don't finish top three and don't compete in the Champions League because he's playing a bunch of eighteen-year-olds, then that's not good. <laughs> well, and it it might be that you know he's even just like a fairly average manager. So if you give him an excellent squad, like it'll perform to the squad level. I guess that's fine. But he's competing against you know Jurgen Klopp and Pep Guardiola and and some some really quite good managers uh, across the yeah, league. Yeah, yeah, experienced a lot better managers, than they used to be. Embedded managers, you know, with, with squads built for, built for their you know Chelsea Chelsea coming off Conte then Sarri season to season and then like maybe flipping that again and going and getting another manager who Spurs keeping Pochettino this year, which is pretty pretty huge to be honest with you yeah I mean you're lucky you didn't win the Champions League because otherwise he would have just like taken a break I legitimately <laughs> think there was more chance of him leaving if, if they won the Champions League than they didn't so in some regards sure. that's a that's a that's a small positive in a way alright what else what else have we got we've got a couple more before we go we got Danilo out at Manchester City and uh, Yao Cancelo in Jao I haven't seen this but like Danilo just again feels like a He's just fine. He's he's a good player, but he just just feels like a kind of like holding pattern player within this. You know, just utility. Kind of like, yeah, yeah. It's just like yeah, okay. He's he's good enough. So I don't know where, where who who would take him off their hands, but you could you could see why they might want to uh, upgrade, um, like just his position in the squad. Considering they seem to be going for you know two absolute worldies in every in every position on the pitch. So. That that could well. Make I think sense. they might also be a little concerned about Mendy's like long term health. He he struggled with injury again this season, so they're looking for you know, potentially a, a first teamer, and then he can be the one that fills in more. That's that's my guess on that one. Yeah, so there could be something going on there. What else have we got on this list? All black to Man United. Yeah, that one that one was really spicy. I mean, that's obviously <laughs> that obviously predicates. Uh, De Gea going somewhere, wherever. He's only got one year left on his deal. Yeah, yeah. So uh, interesting decisions to be made there. Um, I looked at our numbers again. Like, I mean, no, no one's going to be surprised to see to see that like De Gea and Old Black consistently like show up well uh, as in like goalkeepers. Um, you know, I don't know. <laughs> why would you Old Black go to Man United? Well, maybe he would. Maybe why? I, I was surprised when Pogba went to Man United. You know, these deals can happen at times. Uh, well, you expect that he's not making that much money at Atletico. Maybe he's, <laughs> he's ready for a new challenge. He is really ready for, good. Ready for a massive fat paycheck, maybe. Yeah, that's fine. That's a that's a new challenge. That's <laughs> when you read between the lines. Fat paycheck and new challenge are basically equivalent. <laughs> yeah. So when when James comes on the podcast and he's like, you know, Ted, I'm probably ready for a new challenge. Maybe it's just negotiating play. <laughs> yeah, I think this is what it is. But yeah, I mean. I, I still this still feels like a kind you know in the world of tra- transfer rumors at this point because you know obviously you've got you've got to kind of solve the the De Gea kind of situation first. I mean I I, I did a quick look at this beforehand, you know, quick search De Gea. Uh, oh look right, you know, third story De Gea. De Gea considers new contract. So we're in that kind of guessing game middle section where we don't really know uh, what's going on there. But I think United would certainly at least try and sign a decent keeper if they if they. Um, if, well, and, if they and this one, one in particular, we're quite high on 
as opposed to a number of the other rumors and, and keeper stuff where when we look at the numbers, you're like, man, that it doesn't back up their reputation. It doesn't necessarily back up what they want, you know, uh, statistically what, what we think is good, uh, certainly for value for, for money. Like those might not make sense. O Black is actually really good. Yeah, and the bottom line, the bottom line with O Black is he's, he's he saves shots. I mean, like like kind of with with Allison, you know, style of play and stuff will will vary depending on team and setup and things. But like you know, you you could you could be fairly confident that like Allison was was like a really good shot stopper, as you can be fairly confident that De Gea is an O Black is. So if you are out there shopping for goalkeepers and you know you're, um, you know potentially. I mean, you should always be looking at like the style of play you've got. But like, if if shot stopping is like your main priority, then they, these are, there's there's no mystery here. These these are your guys. Uh, what have we got now? Del- Del- and you might you might want to make sure that you know United give up fewer shots next season. That would also be useful. <laughs> yeah, I still still think they they could do some remedial work in there defense and midfield and attack <laughs> who, who are you david Moyes? <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> we need to improve everywhere but there's, there's all right so, done, so the fun. hottest kid on the planet that was not like frankie de young right yeah uh, delict matthias delict uh psg the saga psg seems to seem to have been the ones that have been most like recently touted with him after a lot of talk about barcelona and stuff his agent is is mino raiola right right so like mino's like one of the super agents jorge mendez a super agent kia super agent and and they tend to you know the create a market you i mean the market was already there for this kid Uh, everybody's excited by him they people feel like he's you know, one of the the future captains of of almost any of the the super teams, uh, certainly of Ajax, also of his country as well, uh, has been a standout since what age sixteen, seventeen, even. Uh, and then Ajax had an amazing season this year, and and you know they stayed together. That was part of the story, right? Um, the the coach there, uh, Ten Hag, is that right? Yep. Uh, kept you know. Whomever kept them together for for like one more year to like really go for it, and they did. They won their league and they went deep into the Champions League. Um, uh, <laughs> nearly, nearly made it to <laughs> the final game. Wow! Uh, so, looking at this, um, he said quite clearly for for a while he wanted time to think. So he wanted time to think after the season. Where am I going to go? Let me think about all the offers. Let me think about what's going on. Um, and and the rumors have been what Barcelona pretty strongly, mm-hmm. uh, United in PSG in. Uh, I don't think uh, Juventus was necessarily that highly named. Uh, anywhere else that I'm missing? It's, uh, why City. City. Why aren't City buying him? You know the company's gone. You need that kind of like. Uh, City certainly kind of talked about player. it. Uh, that was that was definitely like sorry I don't know if City certainly talked that was definitely one of the rumors that the City had considered uh, as well and and yeah I mean what do you think like first of all is he as good as people seem to think he is yeah I don't know it's, that's hard to say but he's he's still so incredibly young so again you would you would probably like lean on the positive side of that and you know hope the hope that. He's certainly got the right personality for a for a kind of like, you know, future leader. You know, you saw the footage of him after uh, speaking and kind of like uh, to to a big Ajax crowd, and you know, just to have that kind of chutzpah and confidence as a nineteen year old kid is is 
quite scarce, I think. Um, in, fo- in footballing terms, I think my, my main association with him in footballing terms is being a weapon at corners because I've seen you and shown me so many videos of the, the delict Ajax corner where he kind of like comes crushing in and like finishes uh, finishes with a header. So <laughs> he, uh, he is a bit of a wrecking ball builder. Well. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 I. I haven't looked at him enough to kind of like truly evaluate how how he sets up as a defender and obviously uh you know center back evaluations are you know something that you need to spend time and uh, detail on but yeah you, you feel like he's got he's got the makings and um it, his reputation is certainly a stage where you know he can he can get a transfer to you know any of the big clubs and you know that so here, probably be here's okay. an interesting set of comparatives now you want to be really gentle about using stats and center backs like you definitely we we say this again and again but you definitely want to to scout them a lot but uh of the the similarity scores in for him in particular uh number one is daniel schwab at at psv eindhoven uh dedrick boyata at celtic sure whatever (coughs) and then himself uh and then uh gerard piquet hmm Right. <laughs> uh, some guy named Davinson Sanchez. Okay, yeah. Slightly lower down the list, a guy that I still really like is uh, Andreas Christensen. Yeah, yeah. And then further down, we've got Loic Perrin, who who actually is, is on the wrong side of the age curve, but pretty tremendous and underrated guy. And and Mats Hummels. Right. These are fine. These are, these are centre-backs of yeah, some, you know. some quality. <laughs> I think, uh, yeah, I mean, like again, like stats, stats and centre backs are a bit of a funny thing. Well, I looked a little while ago, and I I put a little thing out on Twitter on the main account, and it was it was like the the, the way that Ajax's Ajax's um, entire team seemed to like like the stats the stats that they were putting out didn't seem to change between the Eredivisie and Champions League, which was really odd because obviously the standard of the of the football uh, in between the two two competitions is is very very different. Yeah, and uh, yeah, that, it was like across the team, it, like this the again how how do you detach like you know Ajax, Ajax the team um from the players within it i mean they they definitely had something special going on um with, with some regard uh this season and you know we're all the all the more impressive for it i i don't know delic just feels like someone who's who will will prosper prosper as, as he goes forward and uh, I, it, pers- if, pers- if you're making the choice for him and and you think that any of these teams are willing to to get stuck in and have the budget for it? Where do you go? I don't know. It's they're, they're all kind of like, you know, they're all kind of like potential Champions League contenders. They're all title contenders in their own in their own leagues, um, apart from Man United at the moment. Uh, yeah, I mean, I wouldn't go to Man United. Put it that way. Like, that's, don't listen. Don't, don't that was, listen to that man. You're, not, you're ruining our United listenership. No, but I wouldn't the at the moment. I mean, like. like <laughs> Maybe we find out that Delict's got Man United shirts, you know, tucked under his bed from when he was a kid, and he dreams of leading them back to the promised land and stuff. And you know, he always wanted to go there. Then maybe, maybe he could go there. And Man United will certainly like pay him, you know, as well as as well as he'd like to be paid. But um, yeah, it's it's hard because. I don't know if I was a professional footballer. I was 19 years old and I was a centre back, and Man City just sold their le- legendary captain or let go of the legendary captain. I'd probably want to go. Seems there. like a good place to go, right? Yeah, exactly. I mean, like I'd I'd oh, I'd want assurances about the future of Pep Guardiola <laughs> before he signed on the dotted line. But you know, that would be no, that would be okay. And and Barcelona, you know, heritage sides. Why wouldn't you want to go there again? Even Liverpool. 
Go and, go and knock on Liverpool's door. Say like, come on, I'll come. Play next to Verge. Yeah, exactly. I mean, that's that's the good life. That's a tough. That's a tough gig. I gotta tell you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, <laughs> hey, do you want to buy me? Do you want to buy me? Yeah, but I, I don't know. Like, okay, can... no, it's fine. I, I mean, I, I think you're, you're probably right. Uh, to, <laughs> so Arsenal rumored to be closing in on Marcus Schubert. Uh, Jack Pitt Brook reporting this from Dinamo Dresden, 21 year old goalkeeper. Uh, Mislintat identified before leaving at Dinamo Dresden. I'm looking at the stats, and he's uh, he's a slightly below average <laughs> shot stopper, ranked 12th in the in the second Bundesliga this year. I'm like, oh, good, this is great. For to us. be fair, Leno didn't look great on um, like kind of shot stopping the season before he came, and he did okay, didn't he? But like already was playing at a higher level. Maybe, maybe I mean, I guess they need they need cover, don't they? They check so I think that- on. I mean, they certainly need cover. I think the thing about Leno was uh, less about the shot stopping, the ones that he stopped, right? It was the ones that he let through that were obvious errors and consistent right. errors over the course of, of multiple seasons. Um, but yeah, I mean, he, he had a good season. So so maybe maybe they're actually, they changed goalkeeper coaches, right? And we found out like through stories that the last goalkeeper coach was just like flaming trash, allegedly. Uh, not impressive. So, so maybe just by having like a pretty decent goalkeeper coach, they can turn these kids into into better shot stoppers and 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 get them. Who's this? Um, who's this guy that's leaving Arsenal setup? Have you got any any take? Uh, Darren on Burgess. That? Yeah. Have you got any any take on that? Or I do not have any comments. Darren Burgess, uh, externally anyway, very highly regarded. Uh, apparently, Shad Forsyth is being promoted and Shad's been around for ages was brought in like what 2014 right it, it almost might be just like a, a case of too many cooks yeah I mean there's definitely that feeling around like you know kind of Arsenal in, in recent recent seasons that at least you know at the kind of recruitment level that like adjusting to a post Wenger world has been less smooth than it could have been um it can be like that I mean I remember Tottenham being a bit like that when uh, you know, you had Baldini there for a while, and you know, occasionally you had like sporting directors and trying to get Paul trying, Mitchell, yeah, and trying to get that system to work, and it just it never felt like it quite did. And then guys who want to leave, but then are on guarding leave and stuff like that, or you yeah. want them to leave, but yeah, it's tricky. Um, and you know, behind the scenes politics at, at clubs, like you never know anything, uh, and and typically, you know, even if you get some information, it's like one side of a story that might be completely different if you had more robust information. So anyway, looks like Burgess is out. Uh, I don't have any comments on it other than like people that I know that have talked to him seem like he's like really bright and and interesting to talk to. So I'm sure he'll land in a in another spot. All right. right that is it. the end of yet another weekly transfer podcast. We squeezed one in. We did well. <laughs> yeah. Oh, oh, oh. Uh, we're apparently, we have failed to talk about the biggest story in the world right now because we got stuck on the things that we're supposed to talk about. Uh, Women's World Cup's going on. We've been, oh, I've been too busy to watch it, which makes me feel bad. Yeah, I've, but, uh, I've, I've barely seen it. I've watched bits. Um, you know, keep this. We've had loads of articles out on the site. With the the free data is out there. I, I tweeted out last night like a bunch of people that have actually like started using the data and putting visualizations and clever things out on out on Twitter and stuff. And you know, it's really good to see people actually getting stuck into the data and, and using it. It's free. You can access it. You know, and if you can, if you've got some a few skills, it's not that hard to pick up. If you if you know if it looks intimidating to start with, literally. There's tutorials out there on FCR stats. There's also the Stats Bomb R package uh you know check into that and 
I'm in one place for the next, hopefully, 10 days. So I'm actually going to enjoy the Women's World Cup because, like, I really do love this event. And, uh, you know, we've done a lot of research on women's football. We want to support women's football uh, very strongly. I don't care that the women celebrated after scoring 13 goals. Oh, um, man, that uh, you have to hit on the 13 now. Like, okay. So many Pete right. So many people have taken that so seriously about, like, you know, read into read into it or whatever. I just, I just don't care. I don't think it's important. You know, it's, it's 13 nil. Did you celebrate too much? I mean, I, I did a joke, like, poll on Twitter saying, like, you know, does this 13 nil uh, victory actually, um, you know, make you want to root against the uh, US women's team? And the answers were yes or definitely or something like that. And it's like... <laughs> People just getting really offended by this 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 game. It's like, don't worry about it. It's just football. It's it is the World Cup. Things you happen grow up sometimes. with a dream of scoring goals in the World Cup. Don't let anything take that away from you. You played the opponents that were in front of you. If you want them to score or to you know, if they don't want to allow thirteen, play better. Like put a better team on the field. Like don't. Hopefully, women's football is, is better supported so that we see like you know the 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 weakest uh, level continues to increase. And it has been like, we've seen that, uh, you know, it's, it's not terribly different than in the men's world cup. Like Germany won seven nil over Iran in, in like a home opener or something like that. Yeah, no. And in, in, um, if you actually look at like the amount, average amount of goals you see in uh, women's, uh, women's kind of like international tournaments versus men's international tournaments uh certainly this decade, they're actually very similar. It's like, you know, kind of like 2.6, 2.8 goals per game. Um, so, like, you know, whereas in the past, you you may have had a point of, like, whereas, like, there were more goals in the women's games and there were more kind of, like, beatdowns. Like, it really isn't the case these days. You know, we've, we, this is one outlier game. We haven't seen, like, a load of these games um, in this tournament. And, yeah, don't worry about it. People people getting hung up on it. I think, you know, the Women's World Cup has been really, like, well supported. I know in, in, in England there were, like, six million viewers for... Uh, the England versus Scotland, which was, you know, a really good kind of TV audience. and um, Some damn good football, too. Last night's game was particularly good. Yeah, I mean, this is it. You just, just, you just, you know, support the game. Don't worry about these things. Like, ignore all the prejudiced idiots who are just going to bang on about women's football and, you know, make disparaging comments. And, yeah, be be positive. It's it's, it's certainly growing, and it's it's grown a lot over time. And But it's it's a mismatch, right? You have one of the two best teams in the world, one of the two favorites, play, playing a team that's not great from Thailand. Like, great for them for, for sort of being there and having the World Cup experience. And, and the women's team, the uh, U.S. women were actually, you know, quite encouraging toward the, the Thai team. Um, you know, what else are you going to do, right? Like, this is the opponent that you need to beat in the biggest tournament of your life. Like, you know, keep keep scoring. Don't don't take your foot off. I don't I don't feel bad about it. But anyway, that's that's just us. We're pretty competitive. Um, but yes, I'm looking forward to it. And maybe next time we'll we'll really tuck in uh, on some women's World Cup stuff and and discuss it. But the site has so much information. Uh, Mark and Mike and everybody else that's that's putting stuff out. Uh, really impressive right now. Check it out. Statsbomb.com. Thanks, guys. Bye.